Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Mary Shores. She is an author, a speaker, and a conscious communication expert. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic, and it is my pleasure to be here with you. The pleasure and honor is all mine. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I am so excited to have you here, and I'm looking forward to jumping in. So with that being said, let's do just that. So Mary, for those who might not know, can you please share with us what exactly a conscious communication expert is and how long you've been doing this work? That's a great question. So I would say that in my mind, being a communication expert is really having a deep understanding of how connections are formed and how they grow, how to open up the conversation, and basically how to develop communication strategies that are effective and help you get things done quickly. I've been doing this work for approximately 20 years. And so what was the inspiration or the catalyst for you getting into and pursuing the career path of becoming a conscious communication expert? Can you share a little bit about your personal journey and story into that world? Absolutely. It's kind of an unusual path in that when I was 24 years old, I opened a collection agency. So you heard that right. I am a professional (laughs) debt collector. And so this was really an industry that I inherited from my parents. They opened a collection agency in 1986 when I was about 13 years old. And honestly, after kind of a (laughs) rough start in my early adulthood, we'll say, I was trying to bounce back. So I got involved in the uh, quote unquote family business and ended up owning my own by the time I was 24. The thing is, though, that there was kind of a disconnect between who I wanted to grow to be spiritually and this negative stigma in the collection industry. So collections is really known for being a bit abusive to people who owe money. And I didn't want to be a part of that. So quite honestly, I started to develop tactics that allowed me to communicate with people who have a debt in a way. My goal was that I wanted every person to be happier at the end of the call 
than they were at the beginning of the call. And I kind of put that out there to the universe and I had no idea how I was going to make it happen, but little by little, it sort of started to take shape. That is a very unique way to approach it because I mean, like you said, you are calling people trying to collect money from them. So to approach it from the angle or the view or the lens of you want them to get off the call happier than when you started, that's a pretty unique perspective and way to look at it. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. And I'll tell you, the thing is that when I was very young, I had been through a rough set of circumstances myself and I had actually been on the other side of debt. So when I was 19 years old, I had a daughter who was born with severe and profound brain damage and it left her blind, deaf, and basically on complete life support. She eventually passed away. But during that time, I had nothing, like literally nothing. I was on every form of welfare that exists and I had to build myself back. So perhaps that is part of the catalyst because what I became to understand was that people who have a debt, they feel a deep shame and unworthiness. And I started to grow into this concept of wanting them to feel good about the fact that they were paying the debt instead of staying stuck in the shame and unworthiness of having a debt. That is beautiful. I love the way you approach it. And it's very human. I mean, because as you said, when it comes to debt and debt collectors, and they're not approached as human beings, it's just give me my money, let's get on with it kind of thing. So I think that's incredible the way you approach it. And of course, your experiences in life have shaped the way you are approaching that career. So I think it's incredible. Thank truly. You. I think that's phenomenal because you do not hear that approach from people who are doing that type of work. I'm aware. <laughs> wow. And so how did you deal with and get through those personal struggles and come out the other side to where you are now and to have this approach? Kicking and screaming the entire way. <laughs> No, I'm serious. I once had this uh, book title in my head called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Transformation. <laughs> I love that <laughs> title. <laughs> if anything, I was somebody who wanted to have and experience this deep transformation and then was just fighting it every step of the way. So if I were to say how to, it was just really diving as deep into one part of something at a time and going down very deep rabbit holes of understanding neurology, which I think that anytime someone has a deep, what do you want to call this? You're compelled to do yeah. something, right? Yeah. That there's probably something in your own healing journey that needs to happen. So I guess what I'm saying is really me doing this work, not only is it is great for humanity. It's also great for my own personal healing journey. Absolutely. I love that. And so Mary, how would you say then these experiences have helped shape the Mary you are today, both personally and professionally? Well, I would say that what I have learned first and foremost is that connection truly is currency. Our ability to experience connections in all kinds of ways is what life is about on some level. And the more authentic we can make those connections, the more juicy the details of our life will be. I love that. Connection is currency. That is so true. I mean, really, connection, are the it's the foundation for everything. 
connection, relationships, all of these things, because we're not meant to do anything in this life alone. And you can't do it alone. You need to have the support of community or friends or family or whatever the case is. You need to have support. We're not meant to be siloed. That's right. I love it. Mary, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? It changes over the years. I'm about to have my 50th birthday. And I would say that right now, what is driving me the most is wanting to have whatever life experience I want to have. So I do this practice every day where I say, what I would love to experience is And then dot, I let my mind and my body fill in the blanks. And so I could never have predicted the things that I want because when I was in my 30s, I was this very driven person who valued the level of success that I had above anything else. And I didn't actually understand the impact of that. It's kind of like this 20-year journey or arc to where I had to go through this journey to come back to my authentic self. So even while I was developing the things that I'm developing, I was still going through my own journey. And I think that to succinctly answer the question, it's really about experiencing the things that I was meant to experience coming into this life. All part of your journey and your story. Exactly. Now, our internal dialogue significantly impacts the way we communicate externally. Can you elaborate on the connection between self-talk and conscious communication and provide some practices or methods to cultivate a positive and compassionate inner dialogue? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So I wrote a book. It's called Conscious Communications. And the subtitle is Your Step-by-Step Guide to Harnessing the Power of Your Words to change your mind, your choices, and your life. The thing is that words, whether they are spoken or whether they are an internal dialogue, they are a mirror to your subconscious mind and your subconscious programming. And so what I'd really love the audience to understand is that as we sort of battle against the thoughts that are in our mind, they're actually a mirror for something that is deeper within us. And if we can learn to explore those and slowly begin to change our internal mantras, we'll begin to see results. Because if you look around at your life, there's going to be a decent portion of your outer circumstances that matches your inner circumstances. And that means, but the see, this is the tricky part or the caveat is that people are scared to look within. They don't want to do the inner work. They're scared to see what lies beneath. I agree. And that's why I said I went through mind kicking and screaming, right? (laughs) Because I mean, it's an unknown. It's an uncertainty. So what I really recommend is baby steps. So chapter six in the book is called negative, knock off the negative self-talk and other sage advice about success. And Part of it is that I understand. I'm not going to sit here and tell anyone in your audience not to be scared of this because it takes a certain amount of courage to go deep. You can stay superficial for as long as you like, but for me, that's just not who I am. And so I had to get really real about where certain things were coming from and actually come to a level of acceptance with it. And so there are definitely things that people can do to start to massage this in a different direction. 
For example, whenever I was going to write this book, I had a dream to write a book. It was honestly the biggest dream of my entire life right. was to write this book and to have it published by Hay House Publishing. Okay. And I would tell all of my friends to the point where they didn't want to listen to me anymore. <laughs> they would say, oh, it's this is shit Mary says. That's what. <laughs> well, okay. So here's the thing. I caught myself and I would always say, I want to write a book but I'm not a writer. Uh. And those words were a mirror, a reflection that in my subconscious mind, I had a belief of what a writer looks and feels. And I mean, it was a pretty colorful description and visual such as it's a lady who's living on a coast, like in Cape Cod or something. Yeah. And She's got a white cottage and she's got like a fluffy long-haired cat and she's sitting there with a typewriter <laughs> and she's starting at the beginning of the book and she's just, the whole thing just flows right through her without any kind of effort. And I would say to myself, I'm a CEO, I'm not a writer. And that, see, that's the thing. As long as I was saying those words, I was never even going to make one iota of effort towards that goal. I ended up going to a writer's workshop and I was the only person there who actually had no idea who this author was. She was a very famous author, Cheryl Strayed. She wrote the book Wild that became a big hit movie about her journey over the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail. And I wrote this amazing story that week. And within a year of going to that writer's workshop, I had a publishing contract with Hay House Publishing. Holy shit. Because see, it's when you take one step and mm -hmm. that's why we don't have to get overwhelmed by these practices. Because honestly, if you just take one baby step yeah. in the direction of where you want to go, you will open up 10,000 new doors of opportunity. I love that because that's the big part of it, right? Is that we tend to, as humans, look at the entire staircase as opposed to one step at a time. And when we look at the entire staircase, there we have overwhelm that sets in as, oh, forget this. I can't do this. And also, I want to mention that fact of that little shift in your languaging and the self-awareness to realize the words you were using and to shift that whole piece. That's another very important piece is the self-awareness. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Awareness. I have one of my favorite quotes out of my book is awareness of your choices is the key to freedom. I love that. Well, we will definitely put the link in the show notes for when your episode is released for your book. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Sounds brilliant. Active listening or listening not just to respond is essential for effective communication. What are some practical tips or exercises to help individuals become better listeners, truly present in conversations and able to comprehend others' perspectives without judgment or interruption? Yeah, I love that question. I would say there is a couple of things. One is that you want to listen to learn and you want to listen without judgment. And so what I mean by that is when we are active listening, oftentimes we're actually not listening at all because we have sort of an agenda or we have an objective of what we're 
wanting to get out of the conversation, whether it's business or personal. But if we're really listening to understand, then we can learn from the other person's perspective and use that as a way to drive the conversation or open the conversation up into a beautiful direction. The other part of this is listening without judgment. I, I think that this is very difficult for most people because it's almost like the judgments come out without you even being aware of it. One time, this was years ago, I was reading a book by Paul Selig. He's one of my favorite authors. And in the book, he challenged the reader to go through a day and just pay attention to how many judgmental thoughts that they had. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, well, this is going to be a piece of cake. I don't, <laughs> I am so non-judgy. I got off the judgment train years ago. <laughs> well, next thing I was at the gym and during that time in my life, I was quite the gym rat. So I was at the gym, I mean, sometimes three times a day. Holy so, shit. I know. I loved it though. I, I miss it. So the thing is, I would take this class called Body Pump and it was a weightlifting class. And I just loved everything about group fitness because there was so much energy and the music was so alive. And I taught myself through this class how to weightlift. Well, sure enough, within about seven minutes of this class starting, I had already counted 27,000 judgments going through my head. <laughs> like, why has that person got their foot angled that way? And why is this person on their foot? And it was just like, holy moly, there is a ton of judgments going on. So it's almost like this unconscious thing where we, we have this nonstop judgment. But if you're really trying to listen to somebody and just say, hey, in your mind, look, I want to be present with this person right now. And our kind of old style, or I'll just call it Gen X power style, I'm a Gen X, so I'm not making fun of Gen Xers, I am a Gen X, but let's face it, we're in the millennial era now, and people are truly making decisions based on how they feel. And that's a different kind of a concept for some of us. So I really have to say to myself, you know what? I want to do everything I, I can to be present in this moment. And when I can do that, the judgment will melt away and allow me to really listen. That's a very interesting exercise. I would encourage us all to give that a try one day and just be mindful of that, be aware and count those. I think that's amazing. I was speaking with a friend the other day about conversation, about listening in conversation. And she said, conversations are really, when you think about it, when you break it down, they're just an exchange of data. That's all it is. So be there and listen hear what the other person has. You don't have to go into the conversation with the mindset of, I'm going to change that person's mind. I want to make them see my point. Sure, you're going to express your opinion or thought or whatever it is on the topic that you're discussing, but also have the open mind and, of course, the open ears to listen. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Use your ears and listen. You never know what that person may shed light on something or give you a perspective that you never even thought about before. It's so true. Verbal communication is just one aspect of conscious communication. How does nonverbal communication, such as body language and tone, contribute to overall effective and mindful communication? Could you provide some examples or exercises to improve nonverbal cues? So I don't actually know a lot about that, but okay. what I will do is I'll direct your audience and yourself to a really popular TED talk by Amy Cuddy. And I always call this talk, fake it till you make it, but that's not the real talk. So in this talk, her research 
has discovered uh, certain body languages that can actually change the neurochemicals. So for example, if somebody takes the posture of a power pose, it's actually going to create the neurochemicals in the nervous system of that feeling of power. So if you put a pencil in your mouth and force a smile on your face, it's a feedback loop. So it will actually create serotonin and dopamine to be created in the brain. And so that's why my entire communication strategy is actually based on neurology or how okay. the brain functions versus psychology. So okay. I believe that is why it's so powerful because I've really learned how we can make these new neural connections. Body language, I'm somebody that really wears my emotions on my sleeve. So if I'm sad, I'm not able to hide that because we are programmed so much to be able to read other people's body language. And I think that there's a lot that your intuition may even be telling you about a person or a situation that we've sort of been taught through our modern times to ignore those things. So yeah, I'll have to pass that on to the actual yeah. body language experts. It's a great question. Thank you. In the present world where we're living in the whole bubble and time of online communication through technology. How can conscious communication be applied to virtual interactions? And what are the challenges and opportunities this presents? That's a great question. So for me personally, it hasn't, I mean, there has maybe been some technical challenges like right. today for this recording, the I'm <laughs> not working, or if you're in a meeting and your battery goes dead. So there's like some technical challenges. Quite honestly, I feel like a couple of things and it, it's probably to each person's perception. Let me tell you what I witnessed about my son. So sure. my son was a freshman in college when COVID shutdown happened, we are in Illinois, which is the second, was the second most lockdown state in the country. Number one was Hawaii. So all of his classes went online and he had a very difficult time connecting. He wasn't able to meet other students in person. Him and many other students were keeping their cameras off. And this was a problem because yeah. what it's showing is we're putting walls up that we don't want to really participate. We're not really present. For me, I had the opposite experience, like being able to see and connect with colleagues and friends virtually with a camera on really moved a lot of things that I would normally do over the telephone or over my cell phone onto this like face-to-face -face interaction. So I think it's like one of two ways. There's, yeah. there's the good and the bad. There also was times when, quite frankly, I would get a little bit exhausted of one meeting after another that was on camera. And then I would be so grateful to have a moment where it wasn't on camera. Yeah, or just step away from the computer for a little bit to get out and get some fresh air and clear your head. Zoom fatigue is a real thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so probably you've got this right. If you can take breaks and you're putting yourself out in nature, then maybe you can be a little bit more rejuvenated for it or set a limit so that you're not on it all day, every day. But for the most part, I think that it's a wonderful thing once we figure out how to strike that balance. For sure. Now, of course, communication involves, for the most part, being mindful of our words and our intentions during conversation and their impact on those that we're speaking with. How can individuals cultivate this awareness and develop more meaningful and empathetic connections through their communication. So I believe in a three-step strategy 
okay. that I developed. And I call this strategy the communication code. So it's really simple. And it starts off with a do not say list. So the do not say list is a list of words that I have banned from my vocabulary. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't always say these words, but especially in business, these words typically will trigger stress chemicals. So okay. those words are no, not, can't, won't, however, and unfortunately. So when I was first developing this, I went to my staff and said, okay, we are eliminating these words. And they looked at me like I was straight crazy. <laughs> and it took me a while to figure out, you can't just tell people to stop saying these words without telling them what to say instead. So that's how the three steps were born. The first step is validation. So validation simply means that no matter what someone has just said to you, you're going to say a validating statement. Doesn't mean that you agree with them. It doesn't mean anything other than it's important because the number one human need, and when I'm talking about human need, I really mean emotional need, is to feel heard and understood. So right. if you're ever in a conversation with someone, whether it's in business or whether it's in your personal life, and you're just feeling like they are repeating themselves over and over again, the reason is because they do not feel heard. And they will continue to repeat that story until they actually feel heard. Okay. So you can just respond with something along the lines of, thank you for sharing that with me. I really appreciate that you let me know. Yeah. If somebody has just told you something that is bad news or something that you can tell is a trigger for them, you can say, that sounds really frustrating. It's not an apology. It sounds so simple, I know. And we all think that we do it. But I want to promise you, you don't. <laughs> you just don't. So when you start to do it, what you will find is people become so magnetized to you because oftentimes, and people say this to me all the time, well, Mary, this is the first time I've actually felt heard when speaking about this thing or whatever it is. So you can really cultivate deep connections with people in your life, starting with that validation statement. For the next sure. thing is a seed of happiness. So step two is planting a seed of happiness. This is a moment to pivot because oftentimes if we're talking to someone, whether it's through like maybe we're trying to coach them or we're talking to our children, we don't want them to be stuck in the problem. But just glossing over the problem is not going to get them to move on. They're not going to be able to move on in the conversation until they can check the box in their mind that they have felt heard and understood. So that's what you do with the validation statement. And then you can begin to create a moment of anticipation by saying something like, well, the good news is, or the great news is, or I am, I'll be more than happy to, or I want to assure you that. So we just develop these words and phrases to plant the seed of happiness. And then we want to move on to the action statement. So the seed of happiness instantly starts to create a dopamine and serotonin because, and these are very unconscious things, people are not aware that this is happening, but in this nervous system, as soon as you hear the, if I said, Brad, I have great news, your brain is, well, what is it? Yeah. And tell me, you, share it with me. You move forward with that action statement, which is all about telling people what you can do 
or what is possible instead of what you can't do or what isn't possible. How frustrating is it anytime when you're speaking to someone and all they're doing is telling you everything they can't do for you? Very. And what's really exciting for me about this is just the practice, like with my business, for example, just the practice of every single day focusing on what we can do instead of what we can't do created tons of new ideas. Because see, the moment you say, no, I'm sorry, we can't do that. You've just shut your mind off from any possibility of a solution entering into your mind because you have already put the command of no out there. When you change the script, when you change it to say, that sounds really frustrating. Lots of people are telling me the same thing. So you are not alone. I have great news for you. And then you just deliver whatever it is your idea. You see, you've opened up the person's space in their mind to where they can be receptive to what you have to say. Otherwise, if they don't feel heard and understood, they're going to have that wall up and they're not going to listen to you. That is beautiful. Great tips. Thank you very much for sharing those, Mary, because that will open up the conversation. That's amazing. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. My pleasure. Conflict resolution is an integral part of conscious communication. What approaches or strategies can you can individuals employ to address conflicts constructively, focusing on understanding and collaboration rather than blame or winning? Yeah, I love that you asked this question. So first of all, my three-step communication strategy, the communication code, that will work, okay? But let's talk about another one. And I actually developed this one right at the beginning of COVID. I call it the just the feeling question. So I talk about five different styles of questions in my business communication training. And so everybody knows open-ended and closed-ended questions. And then you can dive deeper into things like reflective questions and calibrated questions. But this new one is called the feeling question. So conflict typically is centered around something I'm going to call the elephant in the room. I'm going to give you an example. So a friend of mine, she's a massage therapist and she's all in on that career. She teaches it. She practices it. That was her whole livelihood. So during COVID, she couldn't work because she was a massage therapist and and she was shut down. So she was feeling really out of whack over her finances and that her husband was bearing the the weight of the financial responsibility for the family. And she was feeling like she wasn't capable of spending any money. Now, she was starting to get really resentful towards her husband about this, even though he hadn't said anything. So the elephant is in the room, okay, in this case is the finances. And this is how you develop the feeling question. I told her, I said, just go to your husband and say, how are you feeling about our finances now that I'm not working? So it's just, how are you feeling about... And Uh then dot elephant in the room goes in place of the dot. Now for men, sometimes I'll switch up my approach a little bit when it's a man, because men don't always want to ask someone how they're feeling about. So if it's a man, he could say, what are your thoughts about? Now that's step one of the process. Step two is you're going to listen through that active listening for how the person answers the question. They're going to answer in one of two ways. So the first way is a response that is certain. 
So a certainty response would look like this. I feel great. You know what? My dad told me from day one of our marriage to save 10 or 15% of our income. And I have been prepared for a moment like this for our entire lives. We've got no problems. I feel great. No, that's a certainty response. An uncertainty response would look just the opposite. He might say, oh my gosh, I'm really stressed. I feel a lot of pressure to meet our financial obligations. As a matter of fact, I couldn't pay the mortgage last month or I couldn't pay the power bill last month. And so those two answers are very different. So when you're doing your active listening, you really want to clue into, is this a certainty response or an uncertainty response? So again, this is about resolving the conflict, which is really rooted in the way that we feel. Because anytime we have conflict, it's because there's a feeling created in our body that is against or resistant to the situation that's at hand. Uncovering what those feelings are is the first step. And then if the person, well, regardless of whether it was a certainty response or an uncertainty response, that now you just follow the three steps. So if he says, hey, I'm really stressed and feeling a lot of pressure about this, then the wife could respond with a validation statement of, I'm so glad you shared that with me. And then just take it from there. And then to say, I want to assure you, seed of happiness, that I'm your partner in this and we're going to figure out a plan to work together. How can I help? That would be how you move through those three steps. If he says, everything's great, I've been saving up, we have an emergency fund, then the validation can be, wow, I'm so impressed. I appreciate that you've been so mindful about our finances all these years. The great news is that I've had my eye on this thing that I wanted to do. So you can just steer the direction of the conversation based on the response. I love it. Thank you again very much for those very insightful and useful tips, Mary. How does conscious communication impact personal growth and self-awareness? Can you share personal or professional experiences where conscious communication has led to transformative outcomes, both well, in relation? I, yeah. Yes, I feel communication is what is going to either create deeper connections or drive disconnection. So for me, it's all about deepening those connections. So how does it impact our personal growth? The more you have an authentic connection with your deeper inner truths, the more you're going to be able to follow your intuition, know what's happening with your body, create a self-care routine that is non-negotiable. The more that you're going to be able to facilitate relationships with other people, when you are in a position to be understanding that connection truly is currency, you want those connections to be meaningful. Absolutely. So much value there. I love that. Again, connection is currency. I, just, I love that statement. Thank Very you. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? So really, it's about the transformation. I mean, the majority of the work that I'm doing right now outside of the collection agency is really about taking teams and transforming them through communication training that not only changes their professional life, but their personal life. So for example, one of the companies that I was working with, he said to me, he's like, I hope that you really understand that this work doesn't just change the way people communicate, it changes their lives. And there's a lot of evidence, a science-backed evidence of why that is true. Because when you begin to communicate differently, what happens is you begin to develop 
new synapses and connections in the brain. In other words, I'm sure you've heard of neuroplasticity. You've probably had guests on talking about it. And this is sort of, even though it's been around for a couple of decades now, a lot of people don't really understand how powerful the concept of neuroplasticity is, that we're constantly making new brain connections, okay? But then you can even take in the concept of neurogenesis, which is actually the creation of new brain cells. So again, with that feedback loop, the more that you're changing your internal dialogue, the more that you are understanding the power of your spoken word, the more connections you're creating in your own mind that is also impacting other people. There is a a very famous neuroscientist that I love. His name is Moran Cerf. And I was watching him give a talk or do an interview with Tom Bilyeu on impact theory. And something he said really blew my mind. And what he said was that they have studied that if you are a speaker on a stage, which I do a lot of public speaking, that the brain waves of the audience is going to match the brain waves of the speaker. Hmm, that's interesting. That is so, I mean, just that one thing is so powerful. So I know that you have an audience of entrepreneurs and especially female entrepreneurs. So what I want to say to these women is take this moment to understand how important it is as a female entrepreneur to come always from a position of strength, not a position of weakness. And the way that you can come from a position of strength is to really speak with confidence in a way that's going to give you that influence that you need to be able to co-create the outcomes you're looking for with your colleagues, with your business partners, with your clients, with your teams. That's where it begins. Mary, you're just dropping tons of truth bombs and mic drop moments. I'm loving it. This conversation is so valuable. Thank you so much for all that you're sharing. It's incredible. I'm learning so much today. (laughs) You're so very sweet. Thank you. On the flip side of things, Mary, what is one of the most challenging parts of the work that you do? Do you mind if I share something like incredibly personal? Sure. Go ahead. Absolutely. Okay. So I think that I was such a driven person for a very long period of time, like the majority of my adult life. In fact, one of the books that's in my mind I want to write is called Undriven. So when we talk about challenges, I am going to say that I was just somebody that believed and it seemed like I had the Midas touch, like everything I touched turned to gold. And I just took off like a rocket in my career. And if I was having challenges, I had the ability to overcome them so quickly that I didn't even perceive them as challenges. Now that all changed with COVID. And so I'm going to be really real with you and with your audience, because I know that I'm not the only one. I know that I'm not the only person out there who got hit with such an enormous, enormous set of challenges to get through COVID and still be alive and kicking on the other side. So some of my more, and these are more recent challenges, has been understanding that I need to value myself as something other than the professional successes that I've had. I went through a period of doing the shadow work. And I would say that having to adjust a lot of things in business that at the beginning of that journey, 
there was a part of me that wondered if I was smart enough to do it. And once I started wondering that, it became a belief. So I guess where is the challenge? The challenge is often up being up against your own belief system, your own thing that you're going right back to that internal dialogue of understanding what is it that you're overly criticizing yourself about and feeling responsible for everyone else's life, like wanting to take care of everyone and everything and wanting to ease the pain of what my employees were going through at the detriment of my own, say, bottom line at the business. And so yeah. that kind of led me to having to work out some things. And then on the other side of that, though, a really beautiful thing happened because once I got a handle on it, I feel like I've learned more in the past year than I'd learned in the previous six years. And then this really odd thing happened where all of a sudden I sat down and this just happened on January 1st. I typically want to do like a vision board or I kind of do some personal retreat stuff around the new year. And I wanted to do a vision board. I got all my stuff out. And then I was like, I don't want to do a vision board. This is going to make a mess. I was just in my head. I'm like, I don't want to cut up magazines. So I put everything away and I grabbed a sketch pad and I started doing these neurographics. And the next thing within a few months, I just exploded into being able to create the most amazing art. And I'm just blown away by it. I'm <laughs> literally blown away by this art I've been able to create from out of nowhere. I mean, prior to January 1st, I couldn't even draw a stick figure that looked good. So <laughs> the point of that story, Brad, is to say whatever is on the other side of your challenges is truly often where you may have some dormant gifts that you didn't even know existed. Love that. Thank you for sharing that story. We need to learn to get the fuck out of our own way. We are our own worst enemies. We are our biggest hurdles in this life. It is us. I mean, I believe that once we are able to turn the volume down, the internal volume down, we're golden because, I mean, not only do we have those inner gremlins or voices or whatever you want to call them to compete with, but we've also got the external sources from the naysayers and the people who don't support us and believe in us. So I think that once we're able to learn to turn the volume down on our internal voice, that stuff, the external shit, that's a walk in the park. That's a cakewalk. Be able to handle that, no problem. It's the internal voice that we need to learn to control and turn the volume down on. Right. Because and really the internal and the external are just mirrors of each other anyway. Exactly. Mary, what is one tip or takeaway that you could provide that listeners can begin to implement immediately into their day to start to become more conscious and better communicators? I've got this concept that I'm working on with a friend. We're developing a journal and it's called the mystical magnet. So mm -hmm. This will be more about the internal communication because I've given you tons of tips about communication. And honestly, if people try these just even in their next, like later on this afternoon, yeah. give it a try. They'll really be surprised at the results. So let me give you a little something else. This is super important, especially in today's world is I want you to understand how well you feel. And when I say well, I don't mean kind of like mind, body, spirit, like how well do you feel on a scale of one to 20? So you just do this two second check-in to say, oh, I'm feeling like a seven. 
And if that number is below a 10, then what you need to understand to do is to close your circle in. You need to get quiet. That is your point of manifestation. And anything you try to create from that kind of low life force energy is not going to turn out well for you. Okay. It's going to be like doors shutting. You feel like you're walking through wet concrete. And what you have to do is slow yourself down. That means not talking to people. So if you're on your way home from work and your sister calls you and all she does during this conversation is complain about her boss, then you just don't answer the call. You just get a little bit selfish for a moment or two or however long it takes that number to start going up that scale, the closer and closer it gets to 20. So if I were to say, how well do you feel? And that answer is a 17, then that is the time you want to take action because the way you feel is the point of your manifestation or whatever you're creating in your life, which means that when you are trying to push yourself and push yourself, you are going to create some chaos and struggles. But when you can get into that inspirational flow and take inspired action, things will manifest for you easily and effortlessly. Love that. It's just like the creative process, right? When you try and push and put, when you're not feeling creative and you try and push and force yourself to be creative, nothing's going to happen. It's going to be shit. It's going to be a mess. Nothing good will come of it. So take the time, go within, step back, take a walk, whatever it is you need to do. Walk away. If you're creating digital art, take a walk get away from the computer and go take a walk. But you can't force these things. Otherwise, like you said, it's going to create chaos. It's so true. And if you're thinking to yourself as you're hearing this, Mary, that's all well and great, but I have deadlines and I have this and I have that and I have to get this done. Trust me, I understand all of those things. I had so many spinning plates in my life. When you talk about the challenges, one of my challenges was just having too many spinning plates and not being able to manage them all. It was like I was on one of those big bouncy balls with spinning plates on sticks. (laughs) And here's the thing though, it's okay to then communicate to whoever is the deadline holder. Hey, I know I have this deadline coming up on Friday. Realistically, I'm going to need this and this to be able to get done. And I need to move the deadline to Tuesday. You would be shocked at how much people will respond so favorably to that upfront communication. I call it bottom line upfront. (laughs) I love it. Use your voice. Ask. If you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. Exactly. Mary, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I had a conversation once with another Hay House author. I cannot remember her name off the top of my head, but she's very well known and she's written a lot of books. She's a neuropsychologist or a neuropsychiatrist, one of the two. So basically she's uh, deep into the study of neurology and psychology, but also has a very spiritual twist on this as well. And she told me that I had this unique ability to make connections that most people are not able to make. And so I think that there's that connection word again, right? So I think that my superpower is my ability to connect things in a way that I just see things in a deeply connected way that ends up creating something brand new. I'll give you an example. So Ozzy Osbourne, you know who that is, right? I certainly do. When I was in high school and when I was young, like under 25, I was a huge Ozzy Osbourne fan. I just thought he was the best thing ever. 
Well, Ozzy, when he was up and coming, he was in a band called Black Sabbath. And he was the creator of the type of the genre of music that kind of became that whole thing, what you call it. I don't know the the name of it. Heavy metal. Heavy metal. Okay, there you go. He created this because he was inspired by some horror movie that he saw. So prior to that, there was rock and roll. So what he did was he took that rock and roll and combined it with this concept from these horror films. And then this whole other thing was born. So he saw a connection that nobody to that point had seen before. Absolutely. I love it. Great example. Mary, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? I feel like success means that, you know, when people show you that picture of the life pie and it will say relationships and physical and spiritual and financial and all of those things. I feel like true success is when you can wake up and have something that you're wanting to put positive momentum towards, and yet the other things in your life can stay balanced. Love it. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after learning it? I would say that understanding my own reactivity. So what I mean by reactivity is how am I responding to the daily situations that are coming to me? And how is my response or my reaction to that affecting other people? So when I was probably about 35, my younger brother was working with me and he said, Mary, he said, I feel like you have these level 10 reactions to level two situations. And he said, I just want you to pay attention to whenever you have a level 10 reaction, how everyone else around you is, it makes them nervous. It makes them tense up. It makes them stressed. And I did pay attention to what he said. And then I kind of went on this quest to understand where that reactivity was coming from. And what I realized was that it was coming from a need to control that oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we are actually control free. So yeah. probably everyone in your, or the majority of people in your audience are going to say, yep, raise my hand. I'm <laughs> control free. And so the reason for those level 10 reactions or that reactivity came from a space of not feeling in control. And so for someone like me, that is rooted in fear. And so right now, I just got this deep message a few weeks ago that you, you can't even understand or reach, or how can I say this? Step into the life of full potential that is available to you. Like we each have kind of a set of probabilities and possibilities that are available to us. They're very different. Like your story, I mean, you shared with me, I'm sure your audience is aware, but if you stay rooted in that fear, then honestly, the doors of that fullest potential that each of us has inside of us will never open. So it's almost like, For each person, there's a lock and key system. And once you figure out the key to open up what is your greatest potential, that is an important moment in life. The thing is, if you are creating success out of fear or you're motivated by fear, then that door will never get unlocked. I love that analogy. Again, man, Mary, you're just, (laughs) you're killing it. I love it. This conversation is incredible. So much knowledge and wisdom and mic drop moments and truth bombs and all the things. I love it. So great. Thank you. 
What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? I'm going to say that it's honestly everything that's happened in this past few years. I'm going to say that experiencing the journey of, I call it lockdown lessons, but for example, being in the house with my kids 24 seven, that's about as uncomfortable as my kids were. (laughs) They were young men at the time, 19 and 20. And just being in this house with them 24 seven, it was uncomfortable, right? But there was so many uncomfortable things going on, but that turned into my son going on an outward bound journey where he went and lived in the wilderness for 65 days. This is a kid that was kind of, he didn't hang out outside. He's part of the younger generation that they play video games and they're just different. That's stepping out of the comfort zone. That's for sure. And then he goes on Outward Bound. He'd never hiked or camped or fished or anything. So he goes to Outward Bound for 65 days. It completely changes his life. And right now he is spending his summer as a river guide in South Carolina on the Ocoee River working for a wild park called Wildwater. And he's living the biggest adventure that he could have never even imagined this for himself. And so it's just kind of like when you understand where the miracles truly are coming from, that I have had personally so many miracles happen that it just blows my mind. What aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? Well, I would say that probably that internal drive, really, if it's a personality trait, I would say it's, I don't even know what the word for this is, but being extremely resilient and not ever taking no for an answer, figuring out the way. So the, the, I think Marie Forleo coined this word, everything is figure outable. Yes, she did. (laughs) Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? Well, I'm going to say definitely my children. So my sons, I'm just in awe of them every day. And I've always believed that this new generation of children, my kids are, they're now 22 and 23. And I feel like I've learned more from them than I've ever been able to teach them. And I just feel like this younger generation is just tapped in, tuned on more so than I was growing up. And I just feel like we should learn everything we can from them. I would agree with you. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Kind of reminds me of not getting in your own way, like you were saying a little (laughs) while ago. Yeah. Empowerment, I feel, is this big word. But what if empowerment is really just coming from a position of strength? And the way that you come from a position of strength, especially being female, because I'm a female that has really worked in a very masculine industry. Okay. So what I'm about to say is that for a woman, I think that really getting in touch with your more feminine energy and learning how to create from there, but still taking a grounded approach. So for example, as a woman in business, oftentimes I've short-sighted myself because I've made decisions that were emotionally based. So I'm reacting to an emotion that I'm having, and then I'm making a decision when really, if we can take a step back and we can say, I'm all about always putting these three-step processes together. So in any in any decision-making situation, you want to first gather all the facts. 
you want to get all the information that you can. Then you want to explore all the options available to you. Because if you really just think, if you sit down and you think to yourself, what are all the options here? You will start to fill in automatically some options that you hadn't considered before. And then what you want to do is make a decision on those options that is based on your own value system and based on what it is that you're wanting to accomplish. So when I think about this concept of empowerment, staying in your power and reflecting that outwardly means that you are coming from a position of strength. And how do you come from a position of strength? Again, you're going to gather all the facts. You're going to explore all your options. You're going to make a decision take action, but then you're going to repeat that cycle. So once you've decided what the option is going to be, you're going to go back to step one, and now you're going to gather all the facts about that option. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three, four word answer type thing, okay? Fantastic. How would you describe yourself in one word? Momentum. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Connection. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Again, connection. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? I love that question. It's connection. It's my ability to make connections. What is your favorite self-care practice? Uh, Right now, it is doing art. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? So I'm going to say something very practical, and that is to be mindful of where you're at in your finances all the time. In the days when I felt like my business was cash cow, I wasn't paying attention to every little thing. So then when we started to go through some financial crunch through COVID, there was just so much money that was going out the door for services that we potentially weren't even using anymore. It hadn't even dawned on me to take a look at those things. So I am working through a process with my team that I call the flashlights and cobweb. And that's when we're literally taking flashlights and we're looking into every little corner of the business and we're cleaning out the cobwebs. So I definitely recommend that. Love that. Mary, what is your why? It's honestly to experience everything this life has to offer for me. Yes. I love that answer. We're only here for a short time. We got to have the best possible experience we can and have the most fun we possibly can. Life is short. What's something surprising you've learned about yourself in the past year? Honestly, it's this ability to create artwork that it just blows my mind. It, it is amazing to me that there could be something dormant inside of me, which leads me to believe I'm not the only one, that there's something dormant inside of all of us that can be awakened in some way. And so I'm kind of somebody that obviously I'm very into spirituality. So I would always hear about these things happening to other people. They weren't happening to me though. And so now I'm in this place where it's happening to me and I'm just in awe of it. I honestly am. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Well, I'm so lucky because I actually do get to have these conversations with all these amazing (laughs) women just because of the adventures that my life has taken me on. If I could have a conversation with one woman for an hour, it would probably be Louise Hay. Even though she's passed away, that's going to be my choice because she is just truly an inspiration to me. 
If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? That's always the million dollar question, yeah. right? Because would you even <laughs> come to the the knowledge of this? I would say that it would be to understand the power of love and connection. And when I say the word love, I mean to love yourself, that the answer to everything is truly love. 100% agree with you. And, and that all starts with the foundation of self. That's where it all begins. John Lennon and Paul McCartney, they, as hippy and dippy as it sounds, they had it right. That is all we need. That is the highest vibration there is on this planet. It's true. Lastly, Mary, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I would tell people in my last 30 seconds for them to understand that when they get to the end of their life, the most important, impactful thing that is going to be left for them is how they impacted other people. So be mindful of how you are making other people feel in every day. Mary, thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story, your journey, your knowledge, your wisdom. There were so many mic drop moments. And so much goodness in this conversation. You are a truly inspirational and beautiful human being. Thank you for being here and for shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through the beautiful work that you do. I appreciate you and I'm so grateful to be connected and to be able to call you a member of the Empowerography community. My pleasure, Brad. Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Mary Shores. She is an author, a speaker, and a conscious communication expert. Thanks so much, Mary. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. You as well. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.